Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Turn your neighbor, tell him Merry Christmas. It's good to say that. Amen. Um, yeah, as, as Chad, Pastor Chad said, it is officially the Christmas season. Thank you so much uh, for joining with us in person. Those of you joining us online, uh, you're not here by accident. Amen. God led you here because he loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Even those of you watching online, maybe your auntie sent you this link and said, if you don't watch this, you don't get any Christmas presents this year. Uh, you're not here by accident either. God has a plan and a purpose for you, and we're glad that you're joining with us in this season, which is all about Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that, church? It's all about Jesus. You know, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to our, um, our kids' church team, because yesterday we had an awesome snow day uh, for all our kids in kids' church. Um, yeah, we actually, that's real... Well, it's, it's, it's crushed ice, but, you know, it's snow to us, right? What do we know in Hawaii? Uh, but we had about 532 people come out yesterday uh, down at the bottom of the warehouse there, and the kids played in the, in the snow and crushed ice. And some of you may be wondering, how come I wasn't invited? Uh, because you don't have any kids in kids' church, and, and uh, that means you're just old, and you don't need to be there. It's for the kids to play in the snow. And we know that if we told all of you, there'd be grown men and women rolling around in that pushing kids off, you know, it, it'd be ugly. We'd have to call the cops. That's just how it would go. So, uh, but thank you to the team that pulled this off because we want it to be a blessing to the community. And one of the most, uh, the greatest parts about that, besides watching the smiles on the kids' faces, was that I, I got to meet a lot of families that came for the first time because their son or their daughter was invited by a friend at school from our kids' church. We gave them all invitations, and they were excited to invite their friends and family out. And uh, it was really neat. I got to talk to several families that said, you know, this is my first time at a church event ever. And, um, you know, I'm glad it was, a, hopefully it was a great experience for them. I'm sure it was. But, you know, we, we so want people to experience the love of God. We'll do anything necessary to do that. Well, within reason. <laughs> uh, short of bringing in 18 tons of snow, uh, we'll do that to help people come to know Jesus. Can I hear an amen? And so it was a great, great moment. Uh, so thank you to the team that pulled that off. Um, and the reason why is because, as we said in the last series, as joyous as the holiday season is for a lot of people, it's also a very challenging season for a lot of people. Because the Christmas season often reminds us of things that we don't have and we wish that we had, right? The, 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 the memories that we had in the past that we wish that we could get back, the Christmases that have gone by or the Christmases that never were. And we lament what we never had in life and the things that didn't go the way that we wanted. Christmas also reminds us of the relational tension often that we face in our families and the people that we have to see over the holidays. <laughs> nervous, nervous laughter, elbow your neighbor. Um, but it also reminds us of the people that we've lost and aren't with us this Christmas season, right? The holidays are a very challenging and difficult time. And in fact, just yesterday as we were at the snow day, I found out that, that someone in my small group's father passed away. So I rushed out of there to go be with him in that moment. And I just was reminded that as much as we want to celebrate in this moment, we can't forget that it's a very challenging time. But you know, even as I was there with the family yesterday, um, I, I, I read out of John 14 where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that in my father's house there are many mansions. And, I'm, and I go to take you to be where I will be, that you can be where I am. And I thought to myself as we were there in that moment that thank God we have this eternal hope in Christ. Amen? Thank God that when this life is over, it's only just beginning because of what Jesus Christ did. And that's what the Christmas story is all about. It reminds us of God's love that broke into our mess and our pain and our stuff to save us from the brokenness of this life. Because as much as we want to put, you know, lights up and tinsel up, life is hard. Amen? As much as we want to sing Christmas songs and just pretend that everything is fine in the world for a week or so, we all know deep down it's not. There are very real problems in all of our lives, amen? And Jesus doesn't just come to put dressing on it and put some ornaments on it. He comes to deliver us out of it. And that's the whole point of Christmas. 
that the God of heaven came to rescue us out of this broken world so that whenever our lives are over, it's only just begunning in heaven. Can I hear an amen to that? That's what the Christmas season needs to be all about because people need hope. Maybe you're here this morning, you're watching online because you need hope. My prayer is, our prayer is that you'll experience that here uh, with us. And I don't think it's an accident that Christmas, the actual Christmas day falls on a Sunday this year. Um, you know, we're dealing with historic challenges coming out of COVID and all that. I don't have to list them. You know them very well. And I think God set it up that Christmas would fall on Sunday so that we can honor him on his day, his birthday on, on, on Sunday. And I know some, some of you are like, man, Christmas is on Sunday. I wanted to stay home in the morning and drink hot cocoa. I know our serve teams may be thinking that, amen, um, because they got to come here and drive shuttles and prepare a place. But you know what? If there's even one person that walks in that door Christmas morning and experiences the hope in Christ, it would all be worth it. Can I hear an amen? If there's even one person who said, man, I, I can't go anymore, but I'm going to give church one last shot. And you know what? Over the years, I've heard many stories like that. Many of you have said, man, I came to church thinking this is my last chance. And if, I don't, if God doesn't do something, I'm done. And you experience the love of God, and that's why you're here. If even one person Christmas morning walks out of here with hope, it would be all, all worth it. Can I hear an amen to that? And that's why we're doing this. That's why we do what we do. Because it's about Jesus. Jesus came to give hope. And his, his church, his people, we got to give hope to other people. And so I'm excited about what God's going to do this Christmas, which does fall on a Sunday. And uh, I know God's going to do some great stuff. It's about the hope of Christ. You know, last night my kids wanted to watch a Christmas movie. So we went on Netflix. And we started scrolling. Have you ever done the Netflix dead, you know, death scroll? Where you spend more time scrolling than actually watching the movie? So we did that last night. We're just scrolling. Let's just find a movie. And, and, and every single movie was either about some princess having a baby, which I don't know how that relates to Christmas at all, or, or you know, it's, it's just all this vain sentimentality. The movie we watched, I won't tell you what it is, but the whole solution to the movie was you just have to think happy thoughts and sing Christmas songs, and the world will be a better place. And I thought to myself, if that's all the hope that the world can offer us, that's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Because you all know that that's not going to change your problems, right? Just singing Christmas songs. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, look, the world's a better place. No, it's not. Because that's not the solution. The solution is God entered into our human experience to bring us life and to give us eternal life. And that's what Christmas is all about. I want to read out of Luke chapter 2. Because the hope that the world has to offer isn't really hope at all. But the hope that God has to offer is eternal hope. Luke chapter 2. We'll read this starting in verse 4. This is the story of Christmas and why Jesus came, or the birth of Jesus. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. You know, one of my Christmas traditions is I like to revisit this moment. So would you take a look on screen as we revisit this moment 
of the birth of Jesus. And may the grace of God touch our hearts this moment, this morning, as it did to those all those years ago. Take a look on screen. son is the promised king of his people. What is his name? Jesus. His name is Jesus.
know, I just love that moment because when the shepherds, the onlookers came and they saw Jesus lying in that manger, a promise that God had given hundreds, if not over a thousand years before, now fulfilled in that moment, it told them one thing, that God hadn't forgotten about them. God hasn't forgotten about them. That even though for hundreds of years he was silent because of their disobedience and all the stuff that was going on, God still fulfilled his promise to come to earth, to be born in that manger, to become the savior of the world. And it revealed to many that God's love is real and that he hasn't forgotten about them. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel like God may have forgotten about you because of whatever has gone on in your life. I want to tell you that the birth of Christ tells us powerfully that God loves you, that he hasn't forgotten about you. That his birth was for you. Can I hear an amen to that? And I just love this moment. And in the earlier service, I got all choked up after watching it. But, you know, the, the power of the birth of Jesus reveals to us. And I want to just highlight three things from this passage and from the, the, the Christmas story for us today as we enter into this Christmas season. First of all, is that Jesus, God in the flesh, became one of us because he loves us. Jesus, God in the flesh, became one of us because he loves us. The, the, the historian Luke noted twice in the text that we read that Jesus was wrapped in swaddling cloths. And, uh, you know, I think it's because he wanted to point out something. You know, whenever you see in the Bible something mentioned with repetition, it's meant to highlight that because there's a point that the author's trying to make and that God is trying to make here. And to say that the God of heaven was born in essentially what was a barn, placed in an animal's feeding trough and wrapped in swaddling cloths, has a powerful message to all of us. Because I highly doubt that the cloths that they wrapped Jesus in were the kind that you buy at Babies Are Us. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I don't think Mary said, hey, what's the thread count on that cloth before I wrap my child in it? Is it sanitized, right? Did you boil it? It was likely just something that was lying around in that barn. Possibly something that was, you know, animals slept on because it was an emergency situation. They weren't planning for the baby to be born in that, that moment, but just grab whatever you got. And so it was probably kind of a gross cloth. Now, how many of you mothers, when you gave birth to your children, would have been okay wrapping your newborn baby in a dirty cloth that was found in a barn? Come on, somebody. No, you, you, you know, you planned it out. I remember when my wife was pregnant. I mean, we bought the best stuff that we could afford, which, by the way, for those of you that are planning on having babies, you need to get the miracle blanket. I'm not sponsored. But it's amazing. It wraps them up like a straitjacket, and they can't go anywhere, and they fall right asleep. It's amazing. But I highly doubt that, <laughs> yeah, I used to tie, tie my kids up so tight, they'd be like, okay, I guess I'll just go to sleep. Anyway, um, I highly doubt that that's what they had. They didn't have that. It was just an emergency. It was whatever they had on hand, and it was likely pretty filthy, pretty disgusting. And to me, the fact that the God of heaven, the creator God, would be willing to born in a stinky, smelly barn around animals, placed in an animal's feeding trough, wrapped in dirty cloths, I think is very, is telling to all of us that God is okay entering into the mess of your life and mine. If the God of all creation would enter into that place, I'm pretty sure he's okay entering into your mess of a life and into mine. See, this is important because many people, and I've heard it over the years, and some of you may feel this way this morning, that I don't deserve God's love. God wouldn't want anything to do with me because of the mess of my life, the mess of my past, the mess of my present, because of the things that I've said, because of the thoughts in my head. There's no way God would want anything to do with me. And if the God of heaven is willing to be born in a barn, I'm pretty sure he's okay with your life, entering into it so that he can transform it. I'm pretty sure. So don't let the enemy lie to you saying that I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm too messed up, I need to clean up my life first. No, they wrapped him in dirty cloths. I'm pretty sure he's okay entering into the mess of your life. 
Don't let the enemy tell you you're not good enough. Don't let him tell you that you need to keep God at arm's length because he's angry at you. No, he wants more than anything to enter into the barn of your heart, to the manger of your heart, to be wrapped in the rags of your life so that he can bring change and transformation to it. Can I hear an amen to that? Don't let the enemy lie to you. He loves you. And the Christmas story of Jesus being born in this way, wrapped in these cloths, put in a manger, tells us, I think, that he loves us unconditionally. And is willing to enter in to bring change and transformation. Jesus, born in the flesh, reveals God's love to us. Because I don't know about you, if I was God, the God of everything, I don't think I would have been born in a, in a barn. I don't think I would have let you wrap me in stinky rags. I would have been born in a palace, on a mountaintop, wrapped in golden robes, if that's even a thing. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't want to enter in. But you know what? I, I don't know if I'd even want to be human. Because us humans aren't so nice all the time. Amen? We're kind of flawed. We're kind of messed up. I don't know if I'd want to live among other broken humans. Anybody else say amen to that? But yet God did because he loves us. He entered in to become one of us because he loves us. Look at what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world. There's a picture of God that he's angry. You know, angry at humanity, throwing down lightning bolts and fire from heaven. Right? We call natural disasters acts of God. Maybe. But here's what the Bible says. God loved us the world. Not God was so angry at the world that he sent his son. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Now make no mistake I'm not saying that God's okay with sin. He's not. He wants to transform sin and heal sin and redeem sin but he's okay with you. He wants to enter into our hearts and when he comes in he saves us and he begins a process of redeeming us. But it's out of love. we got to get this picture out of our mind that God is mad at us, trying to kick us out, got a stiff arm in our faces. No, no, no. His arms are wide open, inviting us in, inviting us to come home to him. Can I hear an amen to that? For God so loved. Jesus, God in the flesh, became one of us because he loves us. Secondarily, we say Jesus became one of us to save us. He didn't just come to, to enter into our existence for nothing. He came to save us out of the brokenness that is this world. Make no mistake, as long as we live on this planet, we're going to deal with sin and sinners. We're going to be flawed, and that's just the reality of it. Jesus came to deliver us, to save us out of the brokenness of this world. I love what Hebrews 4 says about this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Make note of that. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Everybody say confidence. Confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He became one of us to save us. I love what this text says in verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. He became flesh, walked in human flesh to experience every single one of our weaknesses, every one of our temptations, yet without sin. He knows what we go through. He knows the pain of betrayal. His best friends abandoned him, abandoned him to death. He knows the pain of loss. Many theologians believe his father Joseph died at some point in his life, which is why he wasn't there at the cross and why Jesus told the apostle John to take care of his mother. Joseph was gone. He knows what it feels like to lose a loved one. He had to bury his own father. Jesus knows what it feels like to be tempted and yet not sin. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed and murdered and have to forgive the people 
that were murdering him. Jesus knows what the abuse feels like, the abandonment feels like. He can empathize with our pain. We do not have a God up in heaven who doesn't understand. We have a God in heaven who knows. You know, Joan Osborne had that song, you know, What If God Was One of Us. Just, you guys remember from the 90s? Don't make me sing it. Just a slob like one of us, right? What if God had a name? What would it be? Every time I used to hear it, his name's Jesus. Come on. He has a name. And he was one of us. He walked in our flesh. He knows our pain. He understands. And what that should do is give us confidence that we can draw near to a God that is not detached from our experience, but has been in our experience, and knowing that we're going to find grace and mercy when we come to him. We're not going to have a God who's all high and mighty and doesn't understand the pain. No, he knows what the suffering feels like, and he has compassion and mercy. And he entered in so that he could save us out of it. God understands. When you cry out in prayer, when we're crying out in the middle of the night, in our pain and our abandonment, God is there. He understands. He knows. And he sent his son, Jesus, to rescue us out of it. Can I hear an amen? We do not have a God who is detached. We have a God who came to experience life with us and also show us the way to live victoriously through it. We don't have to keep on falling into the same traps. He was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. So we have a God who can help us walk through life and to walk through life victoriously. To walk through life victoriously. And then lastly, Jesus came, became one of us. Jesus became one of us to transform us. To transform us. See, when Jesus entered into that manger... He transformed it from a common place, a dirty place, a filthy place, into a holy place. Can I hear an amen to that? I love what 1 John tells us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. See, when we receive Jesus into our lives, we become children of God. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to deserve it. We don't have to do, you know, rituals to, to, to experience his love. When we, it's simply by receiving him by faith, saying yes to Jesus. The Bible tells us we become children of God, and that is what we are. If you're in Christ this morning, you are a child of God. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says he declares you to be a child of God. That is what we are. But watch this, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be, in other words, in the future, has not yet been made known. We don't fully know what we will be in the future. Now we are a child of God, but what we will be in the future is not yet clear. But we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in themselves purify themselves just as he is pure. What is the Apostle John telling us? When we receive Christ, we become a child of God, and he is in the process of transforming us. What we will be, we're not, it's not totally clear yet, but he's changing us. He's transforming us. From the inside out. And many of you here this morning can attest, testify to the fact that, man, I'm not, I'm so far from where I used to be, right? The pain of the past, God has been healing it. The brokenness of the past, God has been restoring it. Amen? The, the, the hurt from the past, the, the, the thinking from the past, God has been transforming you, and he's not done yet. Can I hear an amen? God's not done with you yet. And I'm not where I want to be or where I need to be yet, but thank God I'm not where I was. Can somebody testify to that? I'm not perfect. I got a lot of things to work on, but thank God I'm not where I was. See, when we receive Christ, he begins this process. Theologians call it sanctification, where he's making us new. And one day when we stand before the Lord, we're going to be brand new. But in the meantime, we're becoming transformed as we walk with him. You see that manger, that dirty, disgusting manger? Just because Jesus was born there was immediately transformed from a common place to a holy place. And for the last 2,000 years, pilgrims have been going to that place 
to worship the place where Jesus was born. They built a church on top of that place. It's called the Church of the Nativity, where pilgrims go every single year to worship God. There's a picture of it up on screen. Because it's that place that Jesus was born. Think about it. That common, average, everyday manger, dirty and disgusting, probably smelling like animal poop, like the farm fair on steroids, right, became a holy place simply because Jesus was born there. I'm sure people wanted a piece of the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in because they thought there might be some spiritual power there. But it, it, it was instantly transformed simply because Jesus was born there. And I want to tell you, no matter how messed up your life is, when you allow Jesus to be born in your heart, metaphorically speaking, he transforms you. He changes you. And, and you become a, a testimony to the grace of God where people now can come and receive hope because of the change and the transformation in your life. See, all we got to do is let him in. That's the amazing thing. And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand how it's possible that I could be transformed. You got to let Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've been resisting him because you felt like I'm not good enough. Let me get my, all my ducks in a row first and I'll come to Jesus. And, you know, maybe, you know, like I said, your auntie forced you to watch this stream or to come to church this morning, threatening you with no Christmas presents. Whatever the case is, if you open your heart and let Jesus in, that's the beginning of your transformation. It's the beginning of your testimony. It begins by opening up our hearts to Jesus Christ. You know, one of, my, one of the greatest examples of this in our church is a story of, of, of a couple, Moku and Sierra Kukonu. And if you recognize their name, we've been talking about them over the last couple of weeks because they are our site leaders now at our Nanakuli congregation that meets out on the west side of the island. And uh, if you'd have known Moku and Sierra before they got saved, you'd, you'd have never thought that they would be leading a growing, fast-growing congregation of people now meeting on the west side because they came from a very broken background. Drugs, hopelessness, their marriage was about to be, uh, was on the rocks almost at its end. But they said yes to Jesus. And now two years later, God is writing a brand new story in their life. And their lives are a trophy of God's grace. And we looked at their story couple of years ago, but I thought it would be neat to revisit it this morning as we update the grace of God, the power of the grace of God in their lives. Take a look at on screen and see a picture of what God can do when we say yes to him. Take a look at this. My life was a train wreck. I had a struggle with drug addiction. The toll it took on my family, at one point, you know, my wife started talking about divorce. All the money we saved, I, I spent it, you know, on drugs. But yeah, it started to destroy my relationships. And I had to threaten him with the, I'm leaving, I'm taking the kids, and we're going, we're leaving you. But um, even that sometimes didn't work. Um, that was pretty extreme and it didn't work. My eyesight and my hearing started to go. As, as I was having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, I went, I went down to my knees and I just pleaded out to God. I guess that was my last words I could say before if I died or not, you know. I, I said, maybe this will work, you know, maybe he'll spare my life. I knew there was a God, but I guess I didn't have a relationship with him. I got uh, asked to go to a small group, and that was that was uh, that was um, an experience. I'm still in a small group to this day, but 
The first time I went to that small group, immediately right after, I knew that that's where I needed to be. I, I got invited to church. You know, at the end of the sermon, he, he gives a chance for those who, you know, want to receive the Lord. And immediately after, I, I cried out for God. Um, it was a type of love that, you know, you can't describe until you feel it yourself. It was a feeling that I will never forget. I can, I can remember it like it was yesterday. You know, he freed me from my addiction. Um, he got to restore my relationships with my, my children, uh, with my friends, with my wife. And once I started seeing him um, going into these men's groups, um, that was beautiful to see him go from being so far gone to being a new man in Christ. I would just say that he inspired me, you know, to, to want to be better. She's actually, she actually received the Lord too, um, a couple months after I did. Um, you know, going to her women's group, small group. You know, now we have our couples group at home. Um, she's on fire for the Lord. It's awesome. You know, and, and seeing breakthroughs and freedoms in other people's lives. Um, that's the joy right there. Amen. You know, I just love their story because. There's nothing so broken. There's no place in our lives that are so broken that God can't restore if we let him in. And now Moku and Sierra, not only is their marriage healthy, they, they lead, like I said, our Nanakuli congregation out on the west side. Over the Thanksgiving weekend, they did a tons of outreaches all to the, the Waianae Coast area. Um, they have now church at their house uh, twice a month, and it's packed with families and, and people all around coming to know Jesus. They got a bunch of small groups out there, and they're just, just taking the grace of God that they received, and they're giving it away. And I think what an amazing picture that, you know, at, at once their home was broken and on the verge of falling apart. And now their house is a place where people come to experience the restoration and the hope in Jesus Christ. See, that's real hope. Amen. Not just let's sing Christmas cards and decorate this brokenness and hope it all goes away. No, no, no. Jesus can actually change you. Amen. He can actually restore. He can actually heal. And that's what this Christmas season needs to be all about. For all of us, first of all, grateful for the grace of God in our lives, but also excited to share his love with other people. That's why Jesus came. It's why we do what we do, because there is real hope in Jesus, not just vain sentimentality, but there's real hope for real change for you and for the people that God has all around us. Can I hear a strong amen to that? But maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I need that hope. I don't have that hope in my heart. I want to give you an opportunity, just like Moku did all those years ago, to begin a relationship with Jesus. Notice he was in his broken place and he just cried out to God. He didn't know any better, but he just cried out to God. It was probably, because I know Moku, an expletive-filled prayer with all kinds of colorful language. Come on, brothers from the West Side. Come on, you know, you know that's true. But guess what? God came in, and the process of change and transformation began. God knows your brokenness, and he wants more than anything to allow, for you to allow him to enter into that brokenness. He knows the pain. And he wants more than anything to be allowed to enter into that pain. But here's what he's not going to do. He's not going to kick the door down and force you to your knees. He doesn't do that. But he knocks. He invites. He draws. He woos. And he waits for us to respond. And maybe the Lord's been knocking. Maybe he's been pounding on your life through the storms, through the brokenness, through the hurt. He's been pounding on that door. And maybe this morning he's saying, will you open it so that I can come in and begin 
this process of transformation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, both here in person and those of you watching online, the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart. And as we begin this Christmas season, I want to give you an opportunity to let him in. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're ready to allow him in and to begin his work of transformation, you don't have to understand it all. You don't have to understand all of the Bible. You don't have to understand all of what this means or what the future will look like. All you need to know is, Jesus, I need you, and I'm ready to let you in. God, I'm ready to let you in. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me as I pray aloud. And just as Moku did, God will come in and begin his work of transformation in your heart. Pray this with me if you're ready. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And that you rose again, breaking its power over my life. I open my heart to you to be my Lord and Savior. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.